it's not fair for your customers if your assets aren't high quality. If we're talking about experiences, like just imagine going on like a date night and you're going to a highly anticipated movie and the movie's pixelated. Like what type of experience is that gonna be? That's not gonna be a great experience. So it's highly important that you choose quality over quantity and you work with the professionals that can really amplify your experiences. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenau. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the B2BMX podcast. I'm Claudia Tarico, and I'm riding solo today because Kelly is out for the week. But do not worry. I have a really great episode in store for you guys, starring one of our speakers at the upcoming B2B Marketing Exchange. So David Morris is an experiential consultant for a company called NYCAP3D. And I don't know if it's just the acronym, but we'll find out in a little bit. So hopefully I said it correctly. And they're a full service 3D capture studio for VFX, fashion, retail, and art. And it's really fascinating. I first met him just via Zoom a few months ago after uh, he reached out with a presentation for B2B MX that it was honestly kind of hard for me to ignore. It was a really interesting topic that I've truly never heard of before. And it's the term is photogrammetry. So I immediately reached out to talk to David and learn more because I was like, you know, what is this? So fast forward to today, he's locked in and ready to present in Scottsdale. And his session is titled The Undeniable and Foreseeable Merge of Customer Experience and Web3 Integration. So Again, Web3 integration is also very new to me. I assume all of these terms uh, might be pretty new to you guys as well. So I'm really excited to welcome David to the B2BMX podcast to learn more and just get the scoop on his presentation in Scottsdale. So David, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Claudia, thank you for having me. I really appreciate that amazing, amazing intro. You do some great monologues. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Honestly, I kind of, I'm not going to lie. I took a lunch break and I took a 15 minute nap just to uh, refresh for this. <laughs> so I'm really excited. But before we dive into some, I guess, quote unquote, hard hitting questions, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey to where you are now. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to start. NICAP is, it's, you said N-Y-C-K-P-D. It's NICAP 3D. It took me so long when I <laughs> when I first met Ivan. I was like, how do you say that again? But it, it's NICAP 3D. NICAP 3D. All right. I got it. And I will know that for Scottsdale and moving forward. Thank you for clarifying. Absolutely. Well, I'm a passionate experiential strategist and consultant. Uh, I'm on the front lines of the epic battle for the fight for digital and physical convergence. So, Starting about 10, 11 years ago when I was in college, I was able to get my foot in the door, starting my career as like a tour manager for the M1 Live Tours. And that was just such a crazy experience, number one, because how unexpected it was. But number two, you know, just how much responsibility I was entrusted in from day one. So sometimes, a lot of times when you're younger, we all have that Mr. or Mrs. I, I know I can do it all attitude. But being a tour manager, honestly, like helped me, you know, gave me the experience to help me navigate into future leadership roles at such a young age, because it basically gave me an MBA in marketing in real time overnight of all the roles and the things that you have to do and all the moving pieces going on. So 
From the tour manager, I transitioned into a startup called Hoop Culture, and Hoop Culture was extremely important in my career because I was a brand guy at the time, and Hoop Culture was a t-shirt brand with the perfect niche of uh, AAU audience, AAU basketball players for the audience. And it was easy to leverage that from a brand perspective because all of our favorite basketball players from you know, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, LeBron James, we all play AAU basketball and it's where you develop and love, like get the love for your game and honing your skills and really where you get your name. So at Hoop Culture, I was able to learn the importance of like digital marketing and paid advertising. And my good friend, Brandon Harris, who's now the CEO of Playmaker, which is one of the fastest growing media brands in the country, shout out to Playmaker. But he's a, a digital marketing genius and I was a brand guy and we used to work with each other and we didn't really see eye to eye. And our office had a basketball court, so we have some pretty, pretty heated battles. And he would tell me all the time, like, all you care about is how things look, feel and sound. And I would tell him, like, all you care about is making money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, as you, we all have those battles. We all we all know what it's like, sales, marketing, all of that. But Basically, you know, we were able to kind of come see eye to eye and he's a digital marketing genius, funnel, paper, click. Like when I say this man is a, he knows exactly what he's doing. He was able to really kind of teach me a level of digital marketing. And I was able to teach him a, a level of like brand building and how to, you know, engage and capitalize off a of brand. So that was a fun little stench. And then from there, I ended up returning back to N1 where I got into like the global side of licensing and, you know, managing a global brand, all the international partners. That's really where I got a chance to kind of develop my content production skills and get my executive producing hat on, producing, you know, amazing brand activations, retail activations, sneaker launches and things like that, which got me to basically where I am now as an experiential consultant and strategist. That is awesome. And what an awesome like resume and sounds like you know some pretty cool people. I have to go back and, and get a little nostalgic. And one, they, I remember all the boys in school used to wear all the and one t-shirts with like the really fun, say, like the sayings, it was like motivational kind of and stuff like Trash that, right? Talking. That's right, right? Trash talking, I love it. <laughs> That's so awesome. All right, so first question. And again, everyone, this is all very new to me. So give us all a dummy, quote unquote, explainer. And, and for lack of a better term, what is photogrammetry? That's the first question. What is photogrammetry? Sure. So photogrammetry is really turning people and objects into 3D assets. So I'll skip kind of the technical aspect and just think of it like that, where you're able to turn people and objects into a 3D asset. So, Claudia, what's your favorite video game of all time? Like, what's your like your favorite video game of all time? Oh, video game. All right, I'm going to go really old school, but I do, I love Sonic. Like, I knew you was going to say did Sonic. Did you really? <laughs> Sonic. Yes. And then if we're going to go a little more modern, I guess, a uh, big fan of Guitar Hero as well. Oh, those are two. Let's use Sonic just because that's the classic case that we all like kind of grew up with and we all know imagine being able to get yourself scanned and insert yourself into that game and play with the actual playable avatar not just a, a preloaded avatar but your actual self and then imagine being able to like use that same avatar and visit all these amazing digital worlds and environments that our colleagues are building but not like i said not that preloaded avatar but your actual self that's what photogrammetry is by just transporting physical objects into a 3D dimensional space. Wow, that's awesome. So you guys obviously use some like really cool cameras and stuff like that, right? Do, do I have to like stand in a booth where you kind of kind of just like 
take pictures of me? And how does that work? So there's a few different types. There's basically photogrammetry scanning, which you're referring to, which where you stand in the booth. Believe it or not, nothing, no special cameras, like the basic T3i that almost every creative starts out with with their first camera as they're kind of growing up. There's 180 or 189 of those, depending on the configuration of the rig. And, you know, any large object person would be able to stand in that and we're able to recapture that entire that entire capture, that entire scan. So if you're in there with your dog, if you're in there with a, a bottle of water, we're able to recapture that and digitize that to be able to use it into a digital world. So also there's things called LIDAR scanning, which is think about surveying land, surveying actual environment. So if I was to go to Madison Square Garden and I was to take a LIDAR scanner and I was to scan all of that, I'll be able to get a complete replica of what that environment is. So there's multiple ways to capture the scan, the scanning rig, which you're referring to is the most common. And then there's also different types of LIDAR scanning and other types of smaller scanners and bigger scanners that are able to capture things in more or less detail. That sounds so cool. All right. So how does that relate to Web3? So we're living in a time of like collaborating where collaboration is on like an unprecedented level. And all of this collaboration is giving brands and agencies just different options and supply to the vendors and suppliers that they want to work with. You're no longer tied into just having those same contracts of vendors that you've been working with for years and years. Like we have options now. So Think of it like this, at the end of the day, in a B2B capacity, most service-based businesses and vendors, you're nothing more than just a P&L and basically our client or a line item in our client's P&L, if you think of it like that. So the only way, that means you're either an asset or a liability. So the only way that you're gonna be able to remain an asset is to amplify your experience-based marketing campaigns and to give your clients more creative tools within the market to actually further emotionally connect with consumers. Very interesting. And it, all of this is just so fascinating to me because it's just so new. And I love seeing that. And that's like really the theme at B2B MX this year is like really honing in on that creativity and just getting creative, thinking outside the box. So that's why this really the session in particular stood out to me. And we're lucky enough that you agreed to speak at the conference and share more about this. So give us a little, you know, elevator pitch. What can attendees, you know, these are all B2B marketers, B2B, you know, marketing and sales professionals that are kind of like a little used to the boring. So what can they expect from your session? So basically, I'm looking forward to all the sessions. My session in particular is all about amplifying your experience-based marketing campaigns with customer-focused, multi-dimensional experiences, utilizing photogrammetry technology. So in layman's terms, whether you're directly interacting with a 3D billboard with your mobile phone, or you're using augmented reality to shop and explore products, I'm gonna be sharing basically some new tools that B2B marketers can add to their creative arsenals to further emotionally connect and, and further amplify their campaigns to to give them even more juice within the marketplace and even more life. Awesome. So, I mean, if that doesn't want to make you get a ticket to Scottsdale just to see the session and, and really get creative in your work, I don't know what will. So, David, you kind of already alluded to, you know, how this is all applicable to the B2B marketing arena. Uh, so you're welcome to kind of expand on that and, and also maybe give us three things that B2B marketers kind of need to know when entering the photogrammetry arena. So, Claudia, it's important that you have a, a deep understanding of your intellectual property. You must, you know, understand what's valuable to your brand because that's going to determine, like, how we deploy and utilize your 3D assets within the marketplace. 
Next is to have a high pain tolerance. This technology is still being built, so you need to know that there's going to be a lot of growing pains and learning lessons associated with your projects and initiatives. So if you're not going to uh, strategically implement photogrammetry into your five-year roadmap plan, then it's not going to really work out. And if you fail to withstand a lot of pain, you're just going to be gambling valuable budget dollars, which is not going to be good to you or your organization. So the last one is quality over quantity. I can't stress this enough, especially for commercial use cases. It's not fair for your customers if your assets aren't high quality. If we're talking about experiences, like just imagine going on like a date night and you're going to a highly anticipated movie and the movie's pixelated. Like what type of experience is that gonna be? That's not gonna be a great experience. So it's highly important that you choose quality over quantity and you work with the professionals that could really amplify your experiences. Yeah, I love it. I mean, quality over quantity is honestly like from all the conversations I've had, it relates to practically everything in marketing and, and brand building. So great tip. And obviously this is all new. I mean, I, like I said, it's new to me, but it's new for you guys. And you guys are still trying to make it better and expanding and enhancing it. So when it comes to that creative process, what role does creativity play in all of this, specifically, you know, photogrammetry and the Web3 space? Why is it so important and how can we kind of get more creative with it? It allows you to humanize and digitize any person, project, or physical environment, allowing you to not only explore, but to educate, which is, is highly critical. Photogrammetry is going to remove basically all the barriers of customer experience and brand experience. And it's a key part to powering Web3 today because it's how we're going to transport all of our physical items that we deem as valuable to be used in the digital world. Hey, marketers, you've heard us talking all about it, and now it's finally happening. The B2B Marketing Exchange is coming back to Scottsdale in 2023, and we want to see you there in person. If you're a fan of the B2B conversations we share on the B2BMX podcast, this event is literally made for you. Get a front row seat at sessions that will challenge everything you know about marketing, sales, ABM, go-to-market strategy, and so much more. Plus, you'll get a chance to mingle and network with the best of the best in B2B. As a B2B MX podcast listener, you'll get 25% off your ticket by using the code PODCAST25 at registration. Check out the show notes for more information or head to b2bmarketing.exchange to register now. And how do you see the future of photogrammetry and Web3 evolving as, you know, more companies embrace this and as you guys are kind of, you know, enhancing the product and all of that? So basically, instead of having preloaded avatars, like you're now going to be able to replicate yourself, which is going to be huge for brands in the respect to their personalization strategies. Like that's going to be super big because consumers want to see themselves like in their brand and they're gonna actually be able to be immersed in their brands instead of just feeling like they're a part of an email list or some type of just like give me type of gimmick. So that's gonna be very big as we go into, you know, 2023 and 2024 with virtual try-on experiences, which is gonna be big for brands online and offline. And it's gonna create a lot of different types of revenue streams that we're gonna be able to see with digital products, 3D toys, you name it. Very cool. And I imagine it's probably, it'll help people get more creative with, especially in B2B marketing, some of the products that these companies are selling are A, like you can't kind of like, 
put it in your bag and show it to people or like, you know, like the traditional salesman, you know, going door to door with encyclopedias. Some of these products just can't be can be shown physically really sometimes. So having this type of technology and and letting people get immersed in in the product, even though they can't sometimes physically touch it, that's definitely a key thing, especially for B2B marketers. And I love that you touched on personalization because it's constantly a topic that, you know, we talk about in B2B marketing. How can you personalize the experience for the buyer and the customer versus, you know, just personalizing an email with a name? Because, you know, we all kind of we all understand how all of that works now. So it's not as it's not as special and it doesn't make the the customer feel as special. So something like this can really immerse somebody in, in your brand. So I love that. I'd love to hear any examples of work that you've done with whatever brands that you work with. What are some creative campaigns that you've seen or that you've worked on? So I have a lot of different campaigns that I've worked on. Uh, One thing that I want to, as we're talking about personalization, I kind of want to use this as a case study because it kind of gives a little bit broader. We're so new into this where sometimes the new case studies don't necessarily hit all audiences. So think of it like this. Do you remember Coca-Cola share Coke, their campaign? Yeah. That's my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite campaign. And that campaign was so significant because it actually served a human purpose and it removed a lot of barriers by allowing people to have actual human interactions in the physical world. Imagine if that had photogrammetry, if that campaign had an element of photogrammetry to it, what we can do. So if I was to give you a Coke with Claudia, but I was able to do it in a a digital world using my, my avatar. So I try to put that in perspective. Then I try to move on to some of the campaigns and the case studies that we've done, because sometimes people just see things the new immersive element sometimes is mistaken just for bright colors or a digital object. So I always try to like reground and refocus the the concept of campaign so that people don't get lost within the messaging that a lot of uh, these companies and brands are actually trying to get out in the market. All right. Awesome. So, you know, we might have alluded to it here and there throughout the conversation, but how does photogrammetry fold into marketers just overall creative strategies? As B2B marketers, the best way to personalize is to humanize. And photogrammetry gives marketers a dynamic tool to enhance our emotional connections with our consumers. We can now truly personalize unique experiences in ways that we've just not been able to do before. Yeah, that's great. So when you're specifically trying to formulate the next great creative idea, where do you look for inspiration? I mean, I know you mentioned the Coca-Cola campaign. That's probably a big inspo for you. But where else do you go for? This is going to sound crazy to a lot of people, but it's literally where I've got some of the best ideas. But the New York City subway. So sometimes I just I get on the A train and I just ride. There's literally no better focus group in the world than the New York City subway and New York in general. So that's really where I've been able to kind of drum up a lot of inspiration lately. And then as we're talking like Web3, as we're talking the actual technical aspect of photogrammetry, I always like to be the dumbest one in the room. And in a lot of the technology that's being created, I get a chance to do that by being around people very, very, very intelligent um, who is creating and building this technology. And it's kind of cool because sometimes you see that they're even stuck sometimes because they have this amazing technology, but they're so far advanced or it may be so new, people don't know, don't have use cases for it or don't really know how they can utilize it. So getting a chance to really spend my time around a lot of the developers creating this has really been kind of big because I've been able to kind of take my 
marketing vision and kind of go really five to seven years forward by seeing the technology they're working on. And then that gives me just time to absorb and see how we can kind of bring this to life in a more present day setting. That's awesome. And I mean, I know that you live in New York currently, so that's definitely like the best place to just find any kind of inspiration. It's it's just so diverse. New York City is just an awesome city. And I love uh, your answer with, you know, the subway. That's great because I commuted in the city a lot. I'm actually... If the listeners don't know, I I live in New Jersey, which is we're really like right outside of New York City. So I commuted there for work for a while. And it was definitely just you come home and you feel so inspired every single day by just the diverse people and the fashion and the creative campaigns all around you. So I could definitely see that being a key tool in your creative arsenal. So how does your you know, you mentioned that, you know, you have a little bit of a sports background. How does all that factor? into your day-to-day now? Good question. So at the end of the day, like especially as a strategist, it's all about producing disruptive experiences that get asses in seats. That's what we like to say in the sports industry. So sporting events, retail launches, brand activations, it's all about still grabbing consumer attention. And unfortunately, the best way to grab consumer attention today still is with athletes, entertainment ambassadors, and fashion influencers. So when we're talking about amplifying your experience-based marketing campaigns, I'm still doing a lot of the same day-to-day and construct and developing campaigns the same way I would. I'm just now looking for new platforms and new creative real estate to deploy these different creative measures on and also looking for new artists and partners to work with to see what other technology is out there and how we can keep overlaying and overlapping this to keep growing this Web3 ecosystem. That's great. And off the hook question for you, which sports teams get your ass in in their seats at their arenas? I'm from Indiana, so forever die. Indiana Pacers and unfortunately the Indianapolis Colts with our horrific year. I love Jeff Saturday, but I think, man, you might be a great assistant coach. Jim Mercer, man, it's time to actually go and get somebody that can really lead us to the playoffs. Let's try to get to the playoffs before we try to win a championship. So if you're asking me who gets me in the seats, it's always going to be the Indiana Pacers and it's always going to be the Indianapolis Colts no matter what. A hometown guy. <laughs> I love that. All right. We're kind of running out of time a little bit. So this is going to be my last question for you. But we learned while we were prepping for, for this podcast that you're a ping pong player um, and apparently world ranked virtual ping pong player. So what's that like? And are there any perks that come out of it? Absolutely. It's so exhilarating. Right now, I'm about 5,380. That might change today, you know, depending on how good I play later later this evening. But it's exhilarating, number one, because of how real it is. Number two, how competitive it is. And it's basically, I'm looking forward to the opportunities that are going to be able to tie into like various sponsorship and endorsement opportunities for everyday people in VR gaming and the, the esports industry in, a, in general. So we're seeing a huge explosion in the esports like sector. And we're witnessing real-time monumental NIL deals. And I believe in 2024, 2025, it'd be major for VR gaming endorsement deals. So I play Population One as well. And I play that with grown adults and young consumers. And anytime a famous streamer gets on, like the entire environment changes. Like it's a different energy. People are playing harder. People are streaming. People are monetizing off of their streaming. And these are things that I'm seeing that are going to like, they're trends now and like they're big in some communities, but I think that this is going to globally take effect because you have all types of games in a, a mixed reality setting from fishing to 
to bowling, to all different types of competitive games that can be turned into a, a big market. That's awesome. And I imagine we've we've come a long way from the like the Wii playing of like ping pong and bowling, right? The technology has definitely gotten better. Yeah, if you played virtually, you would have no idea that you're playing virtually versus like in real life. Like there might be very small different differences if you're talking from an amateur to a professional player. Like that's obviously going to be a little bit of a, a, a difference. But the gameplay is so outstanding and the developers, the work that they're doing is just mind blowing. I just I don't understand how they're able to get the mechanics and all the engineering to the game so spot on and so realistic. So it's it's almost addicting and I'm really looking forward to seeing like what the future of VR games especially plays as we start to see esports and NIL explode. Awesome. I mean, I'm right there with you. I definitely want to see how that all evolves. All right. So I think, you know, we're officially out of time. So that's a wrap for us. David, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story with us and and all of this fascinating new technology that I'm sure a lot of our audience is, is eager to learn more about and try themselves. So again, I'm I'm so excited. Thank you so much. And I'm so looking forward to meeting you in Scottsdale and seeing your presentation. Absolutely. Looking forward to it as well. So it's going to be super fun. And I'm looking forward to that warm weather. So (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, we're both coming from the East Coast. It's going to be so nice. Oh, man, I love it. All right, everyone, if you're listening and you want to come to Scottsdale and join us, I mean, warm weather, Web3, photogrammetry, B2B marketing, so much under one hot, hot Scottsdale sun. So please come out, register for B2BMX. Uh, You could check out our ever-growing agenda right now. We actually have a special discount code for our podcast listeners that you could find in our show notes. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that you can make it out next month. So yeah, like I said, that's a wrap for us. Thank you so much for listening today. Don't miss any upcoming episodes by subscribing to the podcast on your player of choice. And of course, connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn and share your feedback. Let us know who else you want to hear from. Hopefully I'll get some more speakers on the line uh, to hype up B2BMX some more. Um, So we'll catch you next week for, for the next one. Thanks all.